Welcome in to another episode of the Cover 5 Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Bannock. You can find me at Jordan Bannock DFS over on X or Twitter, whatever you prefer. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Hilo at HiloFF. You can find him over there with that HiloFF on Twitter. Hilo, this week, we don't have any bye weeks, dude. We don't have a single bye week, and it's the middle of the year. It's very strange. There's a lot of games. How are you kind of treating the slate now that there's a full slate of games? No game in London even. Like, just we have a full main slate. Like, it's week one all over again. Yeah, besides, like, ripping my hair out, um, it's going to be hard, I think, for the field to narrow down their their player pool this week, which gives – and it's easy to sit here and say, like, that gives the the more, like, seasoned veteran DFSers an edge. But, like, this year has been so wonky that I don't even know if that's the case anymore. Um but there's there's a lot of it, it's going to do a couple things as well in like from the macro perspective of of DFS slate it's going to kind of put a cap on the expected ownership through a lot of places we're still likely to see a couple of heavy chalk places but it's it's largely going to cap some ownership so i think we need to be a little bit less worried about ownership this week than uh, one of the you know a standard quote unquote weeks that we've been accustomed to with 3 4 5 different um games worth of teams not on the slate um but i don't know like i'm not i think the field is is largely going to feel a little bit overwhelmed um which should theoretically give us a little bit more of an edge uh this week but it's it's very very hard we were talking offline before we got on it's very very hard to narrow down a player pool this week yeah i mean the good news is i think we can throw out some games i mean it's games that we're probably not going to talk about at all Atlanta, tennessee yeah why even bother defense yeah but i mean more so just from like a breaking it down like i don't i yeah. looked into it for like 15 minutes i feel like this week yeah what am i doing point? with my life i mean it's got a 35 point over under and when vegas puts those kind of lines i feel like the game usually ends up like 17 7 like it's very rare that we see a 30 point total go to a 45 50 point um total in general i know they're trying to get the 50 50s but usually these totals end up being like, it's the under. Like it's yeah. you see thirty five, you're like, I want to bet over so bad. But then you watch Arthur Smith talk about football and the Titans. God knows what's going on over there, and it's like, uh, maybe, maybe I'm just going to avoid it because we also don't know. You know, sometimes your guys can wake up, get some headaches, and become non factors into uh, the football game. But let's Too get soon, into bro. it. Let's. Too soon talk about this upcoming slate and the games that we have most interest in we're starting with the rams traveling to dallas to take on the cowboys matt stafford's home state how are you playing this game hilo yeah i think there's just gonna be a lot of people either put off by this game or playing it incorrectly um there's a lot of moving pieces with this matchup um we have Tony Pollard. We'll just we'll go piece by piece. Tony Pollard has his efficiency metrics from a season ago have basically been cut in half. Um, digging into like why is that led me down this path this week that he is seeing fewer design touches in space. He is seeing fewer off tackle runs. He's basically being asked to be this like between the tackles grinder, which he is very clearly like that is not how to maximize his talents. So. I feel like the field might have some interest in Tony Pollard. It's difficult to take that plunge at his current cost 
um, in DFS when those efficiency metrics are so lacking this year. We also have CeeDee Lamb, who is coming off of his best season as a professional in year three. He's in year four now, but he's seeing like a targets per route run rate of 22%. The Dallas Cowboys are in the bottom five and pass attempts per game. So again, the name value of these guys is kind of over or outweighing uh, what they've actually done on the field this year. Um, Dak Prescott's average intended air yards per pass attempt is way down. Um, and so, and we've also got this weird kind of mix between or amongst the, the primary wide receivers behind CD lamb, like no pass catcher in this offense is seeing, um, a consistent snap rate above like 80, 85%. You've got like Michael Gallup rotating through, you've got Brandon cooks rotating through, you've got all of these kind of who should be considered secondary pieces at this point, kind of rotating through. And then the mysterious case of Jake Ferguson, um, who has like a, a 4.4 a dot, but like a 30% red zone, like 29.7% red zone target rate. It's like, what are they even trying to do with him? Um, I don't know what to make of this Cowboys team. And we've kind of breaking down this game. We've kind of seen them more or less make good on Mike McCarthy's words entering the season where he's like, I want to run the football to give my defense a break. I'm like, bro, that's not how it works, but that's what you're, that's what you're trying to do. Um, also, the other aspect of that that's very interesting in the spot is, is this Dallas defense like generationally good or have they kind of been a function of who they've played up to this point? They've played the Giants, they've played um, the Jets, they've played the Cardinals, they've played all these teams that are in the bottom 10 in scoring. Four out of their six opponents so far have been bottom 10 in the league in scoring. The lone exceptions of that were the Chargers, who are 11th, and then the San Francisco 49ers, who mock them off the field. So, like, this team's very clearly good. They're very clearly good at disrupting drives on defense. They're very clearly good at generating turnovers. But they might not be this, like, we can't target them in DFS ever uh, type defense. Like like the Patriots of two years ago, where it was just like you played them every, every week and you profited because they scored two touchdowns. Um, so, I don't know, like... That's a very weird situation. Um, on the flip side, the other side of that game, the Rams, we have a team with very clear or that had very clear intentions um, and very clear paths to attacking man coverage until last week when we saw like Tutu Atwell just kind of be like, hey, we, we got Cooper Cup and, and uh, Puka Nakua. Why would we use Tutu? He's still the motion man. He's still being utilized that, but he's, <laughs> I mean, Look at Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua have uh, combined for between 68% and 72% of the targets in the past three games since Cooper Cup returned. That's insane. And up until last week, Cooper or Puka Nakua had not really done much against man coverage. He went into week seven with 34% um, targets per route run against zone, 17% against man. Uh, but then he like took it to the Steelers who went man heavy again and tried to take Cooper cup out of the game. They, they started the game targeting Cooper cup heavily. And then that transition to like, okay, you're going to double Cooper cup over the middle field. We're just going to run Puka Nuku on the other side of the field. Um, so he was beating man coverage for the first time really in his career. So there's a lot of interesting pieces. And then it was like, we expected, we expected the Rams to come out and be this like pass heavy team last year. And they had their highest rush rate over expectation game all season 
with Daryl Henderson, who they picked up off the couch like three days prior to the game. So I don't know. It's just it's a very interesting game to me because it's su- it. I think it carries such a wide range of potential outcomes. It could be this like slow because both teams are below average in pace of play. Um, both teams are seeding below average number of offensive plays per game. So it could be this like slugfest where you don't take any pieces from it and be totally fine. It does also have the talent to be to blow up and be kind of the game you needed this week. So I think if looking to attack this spot, I think you need to go all in or Cooper Cup or stay away. Uh, is kind of how I'm viewing this. Puka Nakua can be in that discussion as well after last week. Um, but I think it, it, there's some interesting upside here that the field might overlook. Yeah, well, the 2-2 Atwell thing, for me, the way that I watch back that uh, Rams-Steelers game, they just didn't feel like they had the time to like get it to him and man spots. Like... The safeties were worried about Cooper Cup and then too, too deep is kind of the way that it felt like they were viewing um, the Rams offense. So when he motioned and got that running head start, safety's falling trail, like I'm taking that deep shot away. And it left a lot of one-on-one with Puka Nakua and Steelers secondary, like you have Minka, you have um, the guy from our Levi Wallace, and then you have Patrick Peterson, who's just been such a shell of himself from previous years compared to what we've seen from Pat P just because, you know, age is caught up. He's so old. it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like felt like Puka was winning in those matchups. And it's like, yes, Stafford. Um, and also, weirdly enough, Cooper Cup dropped three passes in the first yeah. like two drives of the game. And then it kind of felt like, all right, well, we're not in rhythm. Something's off here. Feels like the Steelers just kind of have like a dark magic that they just make teams play to the way that they play every single week. They just magically like again, the, the stat that I'll always go to the Steelers, they had negative five yards of offense in week two against the Cleveland Browns on Monday night football in the fourth quarter. They were down and three we're, points entering yeah. that quarter. They won two defensive that touchdowns. Game. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't that's, that's sick. Just, that's sickening, and that's just kind of how they do it. So I kind of, I mean, for me with Puka, the one thing that he has dominated over Cooper Cup has been balanced formations, and that's something that I've looked into this past week. I was like, okay, like, where are they getting it? When they go trips, it's Cooper Cup. When they go balanced, yeah. it's Puka Nakua. It's just a matter of what are we going to see from them. Dallas struggled against balanced formations when they played the 49ers. That's just a 49ers thing to me. I feel like they're just more equipped to give them more dangerous, like feel of like, oh, Christian McCaffrey's back there. Like Trent Williams is a menace. Like the Rams don't have the offensive line. And it kind of feels like if they want to protect, um, if they want to protect Cooper Cup um, or protect Matt Stafford, like can they do that against Michael Parsons? Because Cowboys, like you said, they, they really haven't played a ton of great teams. They get pressure on 40 to 50% of dropbacks every week, but last against the Chargers, one sack. Against 49ers, one sack. Two and two against the Patriots and the Cardinals. They had 10 in the first two weeks. Giants, Jets, that's why. So it's like, can the offensive line of the Rams protect? Because they haven't been doing that well. And if they can, then you're going to see a lot of that boom thing. So I agree with you that you have to be all in on this game or completely away from it. And on Dallas' side of things, like, 
Pollard is a five. Pollard's probably the only player that I had one off in this game because he feels like he would be like he doesn't need Cooper Cup to be great. He doesn't need Puka to be great. He could just kind of be great. CD Lamb is someone that I feel like the game has to be there. The environment yeah. has to be like back and forth where Dak Prescott can't get it to Michael Gallup, can't get it to anybody else and goes that way. Um, this game's weirdly or the Cowboys are strangely popular this week. And it's something that I am just not. I, I data pointed me, hey, you could go a Dak double with uh, Lamb, Ferguson and or Gallup, like one of those two of those three with uh, Dak. But when I look at the, how popular they are and it's like it's not like a slam dunk spot it's just a eh, it doesn't it was just a good look and then you see and you're like no i'd rather go elsewhere but overall that's kind of all i have input wise on this game do you have anything else you'd want to mention yeah the the last piece was something that you mentioned was the the pressure rates from dallas i mean they're pressuring the quarterback is slightly below average 21 percent um this season and that's on elevated blitz rates so uh, that's important in this spot because Matthew Stafford absolutely turns into a pumpkin when he is under mm -hmm. pressure this season. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, again, he's at the age and like time where it's like, I don't think Stafford wants to take that hit and make that throw now. Like, yeah. It just doesn't feel right, but let's move forward to the game that I'm very interested in. Um, the Houston Texans traveling to the Carolina Panthers. You got TJ Stroud versus Bryce Young. Carolina Panthers... From their side of the ball, there's two big things that have happened this week. Thomas Brown is the play caller. Frank Wright completely announced, hey, this guy's taking over play calling. He was under the McVay scheme. And fun fact, from a route tree perspective, Adam Thielen's running a lot of similar stuff that you saw from Cooper Cup. <laughs> we kind of use him like he's Cooper Cup. And stats-wise, I feel like he's performed at a similar level to what Cooper Cup has obviously we have Bryce Young it's a rookie quarterback so from the Panthers side of things I think we see more of that in this game because I think Adam Thielen has proven I'm your zone beater I'm your man beater I am your best wide receiver I think Mingo gets an elevated look of touches just because I think that he is the best athlete we have at receiver yeah and DJ Chark is just can he hit the deep ball I'm not sure um I don't know if necessarily Bryce Young can feel that way or have the time to do it. But the one thing about time is we have a huge piece of the offense line coming back. Austin Corbett, or Corbett, who came over from the Rams, has worked with Thomas Brown when he was over there and someone that our guards have been awful this season. We have not been able to get a lot of great guard play. And Austin was a huge reason why we were great last year. He played in 17 games. He tore his ACL, I believe, in the last game of the season, which obviously is coming off of it. He's been practicing for, I think, two, two weeks now. So I feel like he's fully recovered. And in this game, we're going to need him. This is a spot where our running backs are 4,900 and 4,800. Obviously, the Texans' run defense has been really good this year from a big picture perspective. Um, Panthers haven't been able to run the ball that effectively so far this season, but now we just had a huge addition to the O-line and with a new coordinator, it's going to create a new kind of feel to the offense. And I feel like at the price, this game has a lot to love and it comes from the CJ Stroud side of things. CJ Stroud is my favorite quarterback of the entire week. It's someone that I mentioned earlier today on the show that I do with Alex Caruso. Carolina Panthers live in zone coverage. They live in a cover three scheme. They they love giving you that look. 
They do a lot of things from it. They blitz you a ton regardless. CJ Stroud is one of the best throwers against zone coverage this year, which is surprising from a rookie. CJ uh-huh. Stroud targets two players for splash plays. It's Tank Dell and it's Nico Collins. And both of these players are way too cheap compared to what they've produced at when been on the field. And Nico Collins is just actually one of the better receivers in the league. And he just, I feel like the yeah. bye week, they're like, oh, he didn't play last week. Let's price algorithm him down because 5,500 for him or 55 or 5,900 for him is just way too cheap. 55, yeah. Yeah, way too cheap in the slate. Jerry Judy's 100 cheaper than Nico Collins. And I feel like Nico Collins has doubled his project or production this season and just in general been the better player. So Nico Collins, Tank Dell, and TJ Stroud sacks are kind of way I'm going to go. And on the flip side of Carolina, Adam Thielen's the safest. Adam Thielen's probably going to be able to hit at least the 3x on his price tag. I know it's a big price tag, but he's been great every single week. Um, And I think it's plausible to double stack this one or possible to kind of double stack it and get the entire game environment. It's not necessary. Um, But I think the Carolina Panthers pushing the Texans offense will create that type of environment that you're looking for. And Again, I think Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary, their usage has been strange to say the least. I'm not necessarily looking to double Stroud with him. I don't think it's a bad idea. I just feel like Stroud's ceiling at his price tag comes with Tank Dell and uh, Nico Collins. So Tank Dell, Nico Collins, CJ Stroud, running it back with Adam Thielen and one of the running backs or just Adam Thielen in general is kind of how I'm approaching it. And it's one of my favorite games in the slate. How do you feel about this one, Hilo? Yeah, I mean, Nico Collins is a boss, dude. That price of 5,500. Look at his targets per route run and his yards per route run rate against zone coverage this year, and they're, like, legit off the page. Uh, The dude is putting up numbers, like almost five yards per route run against these specific coverages that the Carolina Panthers utilize the most. That's insane. (laughs) That's insane. Like, yeah, it's been seven weeks. Like, let's not – let's not – usher him into the hall already but no. um it's like they, he's in the legitimately like in the midst of a of a breakout season this is it he's here yeah, so maybe, yeah, yeah i like that call bobby slowick man bobby slowick yeah is getting a kyle shannon-esque offense a little bit of miami and to an extent like he has a lot of those play calls a lot of that kind of feel to it and tj shroud is executing it at a high level and their offense line is really good we also might trade brian burns he's on the injury report and limited i believe practice and fashion this weekend but regardless the carolina panthers defense it's very beatable from a yards after a catch standpoint and i feel like nico collins and tank dell are the two that uh, do it i think robert woods he plays a lot he just doesn't carry a ceiling he just doesn't it, it feels like his ceiling's 15. Woods is out, dude. He's been ruled out. He got ruled out? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. Look at this. Yeah. See? And so now, so CJ, so Tank Dell is playing a full snap share now. Yeah. For like the first time, I feel like all year. This is fantastic. I mean, Noah Brown, just easy. triple it, dude. Go Noah Brown. No, no, don't you dare. I'm not playing <laughs> Noah Brown. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to add to this one? No, man, I, uh, I can't, uh, I can't argue against that. Um, we were talking, we were talking to before the show we got on, you sent me a text like, Hey, this, this slate is crazy. I hate bye weeks There's a ton going on. Um, I was like, yeah, you could legit just restrict your play to Gary Kubiak coaching tree coaches, uh, and probably come out. Okay. Uh, so this is one of those guys. Uh, I like Bobby Slowick a lot. So just, yeah. Play, hey, play technically Thomas Brown is in, yeah yeah he's yeah. technically like yeah it's a stretch but he's there he's there he's there yeah. Yeah, he's but anyways 
Uh, going forward, the Baltimore Ravens are traveling to the to Arizona, so we get Lamar Jackson in a dome. Kyler Murray just got ruled doubtful for this game, so I don't think he is obviously suiting up. So we're going to get another Josh Dobbs week. Um, Ilo, what do you like about this game besides this Baltimore offense that I did tell you last weekend? Lamar yeah, and I took for three hundred. Right I, after you told me, I took him out of my player pool. So that's yeah, that's that's my bad. That's on me. Um, no, it's. I think it's um, what I like most about the spot is. The, I'm yeah, so, I'm so sorry. you just said you took the, him out of your player pool. Yes, I had about twenty percent until Saturday morning, and then I was like, you know what? Let's just show. Uh, that, that's how I lose money, dude. It's fine. That's uh, fine. Um, yeah, what I like about this offense is they over the previous two games have started to show us that they don't necessarily need to be pushed in order to put up some nice DFS scores um, to start the season. It was like, yeah, we have, we have Todd Monken in town. We have, um, but we also have a head coach who has a large track record of not necessarily pushing his team unless they are pushed. Um, there's been like some weird, some weird, like, coaching isms within that where he'll like just out of nowhere uh, have a guy look at him wrong and he'll hold a grudge and go stomp them into the, into the earth. Uh, but for the most part, we've seen Harbaugh kind of just be this, like we're just going to just do our thing and grind out a win over the last two weeks though. We've seen them kind of put their foot on the proverbial jugular here a little bit. So that's exciting to me because we know kind of what this offense can do and what they can be primarily around Lamar Jackson, my fault. Uh, and if they are going to be content or if they were not going to be content to just grind out victories, um, I think that's a high upside spot this week against an Arizona offense who's highly unlikely to really do much to keep up. But on the other side, like the Arizona defense just doesn't have the talent to do much of anything. I mean, they started the season um, kind of, Ebbing and flowing. I mean, look at the, the first week, they had a great game. Their first half of the second week, they had a great game. They beat Dallas. Uh, and then since that Dallas game, they've kind of just like faded off into uh, the oblivion. Um, they haven't really been able to stop like a grandma walking down the street. It's been, it's been bad. So if I think we need to take stands here, if on a slate like this, where it, it seems convoluted and it seems like a lot going on, if the Bravens are going to come out and just like try and get better, become a better football team in this game, if you view this as like the varsity versus JV, like we could see Lamar Jackson throw three touchdowns, run another one in a la like what he did last week. Um, the field is primarily, I think, going to go to Zay Flowers as a one-off. Uh, so double stacking Lamar is completely on the table with Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, or just Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson saying like, like we've seen earlier this season, Lamar Jackson runs two in, throws two. They both go to Andrews and your wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, at the door. Yeah, I think this is also, a, if Kyler was playing, I would be playing Hollywood. But without, yeah, no, Kyler can't. out there, I can't. Because I'll, I'll say this about the Ravens defense. They are the best defense in football. Like, at right least from now, a real football perspective, maybe not fantasy, but like a real football yeah. perspective. Yeah, hundred percent. What they did to the Lions, I, I okay, yeah. Dave Montgomery was playing cool. Yeah, <laughs> they were all over them every single snap. They were in the right. It felt like they were in the right play call. 
every single snap and they're just yeah. playing at a, at a very high level. I think um, if I don't play, like if I don't get to Lamar and I'm like, ah, I don't really want to one off Zay Flowers. I know they're expensive. I feel like there's a lot of value on this slate this weekend from like the five K's of the Nico yeah. Collins, the George Pickens, like some of these guys that are pretty cheap. I might find my way to that to that big price tag of the Ravens. They're they're not getting played, especially with the Eagles just 100 more against Washington. It's like yeah, 40 Josh Dobbs. Sacks. Josh Dobbs has not uh, not exactly been great the last few weeks, and it feels like yeah, with the way that the Ravens are playing, they could they could put up a crazy point total and kind of differentiate differentiate yourself. But I'll also say this about this week: I'm not. I don't care about the projected like roster shift this weekend. I, I don't think that with the amount of games that are on the slate, it's like, is there really like, are you really going to be, uh, or is someone going to really duplicate your lineup? Like, I feel like it's very, very yeah, hard with the amount me, of games. Bro. Like it's just, it's not a week where I care about that. I'm just looking for the absolute best plays, regardless of how popular they necessarily are. And I will be, like CJ Stroud's not getting played right now from what I've been seeing. Nico Collins will probably be a lot more popular than he's projected to be. Um, same with Tank Dell, but CJ Stroud isn't getting a lot of love because of Dak and so another quarterback that we'll get to. But I do love this game for Baltimore. I do think that Lamar Jackson just onslaught is perfect. Just yeah. being like, I, I don't need to run it back here because you, you really don't. They don't need to get pushed. Lamar's having the best season as a quarterback for him. This is the most in control it's felt like Lamar Jackson. And when his playmakers are doing what they did against Detroit, they are a Super Bowl team. They are a team that can get it yeah. all the way. And it's going to be awesome to watch. I do think that you're right with you could go the Lamar Mark Andrews route. I don't think I would go Lamar and Zay. I yeah. feel like I want to bring Andrews and any Lamar stack just because of the touchdown equity. Like mm -hmm. they just doesn't feel like the guy in the red zone with the way that they've structured things and the way that the Cardinals kind of have played uh, towards the red zone area. So anything else you'd like to add about that one? Yeah. These mobile quarterbacks, the way to unlock their ceiling is through the air. Like their, their ground game, even if Lamar is rushing for two touchdowns, he, touchdown scoring a touchdown is the most important thing. So if he gets to four touchdowns, it doesn't matter if they're coming on the ground, if they're coming through the air, it's highly unlikely that three or more of them are coming on the ground. So he's going to have to toss some touchdowns. Yeah. So bringing along a pass catcher is the way to unlock that ceiling. I completely agree with that. That's why I double stack Lamar Jackson last weekend and still wasn't able to come up up top because of Cooper Cup. That guy. Hey, um, hey. I 100 presented him in 150 rosters in the Millie Maker. Oh, it was great. That's heartbreaking. That it was is, great. That's uh Anywho, moving forward, <laughs> going on to the next one. San Francisco 49ers are traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. 49ers, back-to-back -back losses. One of them just completely shocking to me. Like, the losing to the Browns, the way that game happened, they should yeah. have won off the field goal. Losing to the Vikings the way they did was embarrassing. <laughs> but now we have a $4,300 quarterback. On Sam Darnold, that's going to be very played this weekend. He's going to probably be the most popular quarterback on the slate. Um, rightfully so. From a, this I is mean, a really though. <laughs> I mean, from a Kyle Shanahan offense, we know Darnold can run. Like we, he he has athleticism to do so. He is forty three hundred with the playmakers and the best play caller in football. 
or top five play caller. Maybe Mike McDaniel's better. Regardless, if you play Darnold, this is the only spot I'll say, make sure you are finding a good pivot option somewhere. I don't think that, um, again, I said rostership and everything. It's not something super important to me. Darnold, there's no way to get different. Like with his stack, there's three guys that you're playing. It's either Kittle, <laughs> McCaffrey, or Ayuk. You play two of them with Darnold because that's how he does it and gets on the slate. It's really easy. And then after that, like you, you run it back with probably Jamar Chase. T Higgins is fine. You don't need to go to Joe Mixon in this spot. I don't think you need to go to Tyler Boyd at all. If they're going to get beat, it's going to have to be their top tier guys. Um, but again, if you do that, you make sure you find your one pivot spot of like, okay, because every Darnold lineup is going to be a double or not every majority of, Darnold lineups are going to be doubled. And they're going to be doubled with Kittle, Ayuk, or Kittle and McCaffrey, or Ayuk and McCaffrey. Kittle and McCaffrey is probably the least of the uh, popular choices there. I would say the Ayuk-Kittle one is the most popular. Um, but other than that, I feel like this is a spot for me where you mentioned Kittle being one of your bigger guys, bigger stands on the week. I love Kittle. Um, Bengals are bad against inline tight ends. Kittle's an inline tight end. I think He's it's important. The, the yes. inline tight end. He, he he is the inline tight end. Put some respect on that man. The, <laughs> Just kidding. The, the one thing I will add, the Bengals live in single eye coverages this year. They can't do a lot of the things they used to do with Jesse Bates not being on the team anymore. Um, Ayuk's yeah. going to have some single coverages because of their run game, and they're going to be focused on, obviously, McCaffrey. So Ayuk is a guy that I also think, like, Kittle or Ayuk is – Fine one-offs. McCaffrey is always a great one-off. <laughs> McCaffrey did the Price. best. He scores every single game. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. He's scoring. He's, he's getting a six or he's getting six points from that touchdown. That's kind of the way I want to play this game with the uh, Bengals side of the ball. I'm interested to see how healthy Burrow is coming off the bye. Obviously, he made a lot of steps. It still literally didn't look like Burrow. It, it just it still didn't look exactly like the Joe Burrow that is phenomenal. But again, the week off had to have helped him. And obviously, you have Chase and T. Higgins. We saw Jordan Addison go crazy. Uh, Mari Cooper had a huge game with PJ Walker. So Chase, T. Higgins, they're the only two players on the Cincinnati side that I have any interest in. And I don't even mind, you know, minying Chase and CMC if you can find the salary somehow. Hagen's and CMC is fine. And then obviously the other two options with them too as well. Anything else you'd like to add to this game, Hilo? Yeah. So coming off of their last game, um, Island game, uh, that loss against Minnesota, we talked or uh, I believe we touched on it in, um, in Discord. But the fact that the, the fact that the, the Vikings were blitzing at a rate that was 20% higher than any other team this season. Yeah. And the fact that Trent Williams was out likely meant that George Kittle would have to be like that inline type guy serving as a, you know, almost a sixth, uh, a sixth yeah. offensive lineman and an additional tackle. Yeah. Um, that is not the case. That is not the same setup against this Cincinnati Bengals team. They are not getting pressure at the same rate. They're not blitzing at the same rate. Uh, so this could be like the spot where Kittle is able to get out in routes from an inline position. Uh, keep an eye on Trent Williams. I haven't seen his uh, updated status um, this week, but yeah, this is a very different situation than last week where, yeah, like we, 
we have the splits with Kittle with both Debo and Ayuk healthy, and we have the splits with one of those guys missing, and Kittle obviously does a lot more uh, when one of those guys is missing. But last week was kind of that trap, and it's very interesting for me to see what Kittle's ownership is going to be on this slate after disappointing because the spot is that good. I completely agree with that. I I think that is again Kittle can dominate. I think Kittle would be more of a one-off feel play. Um, yeah. I don't think like Kittle and T Higgins is a necessarily many. I feel like didn't they match up and Kittle went crazy the last time they played? I don't remember to be honest. I know Jamar Chase went crazy against the 49ers of the when they played. I know that. Um, I think it was in this year they went to the Super Bowl. Yep. It was a 23 to 26 game. Um, Jamar Chase. No, that's what it was. Jamar Chase caught two touchdowns. T. Higgins had five for 114. Chase had five for 77 and two. George Kittle, 13 for 151 and a touchdown. That was without, really I did. think. Debo might have gotten hurt because he only had, he had nine touchdowns. Man, he was running back. It was so weird. I forgot. Yeah, right. I forgot how forgot how weird this year was. The days um, of yesteryear. Yeah, I remember when McCaffrey wasn't on the 49ers. But anyways, Ayuk had six for 62 and a tutty too. So Ayuk and Kittle were dominating against uh, this defense. But regardless, like I said, Kittle, Chase, Ayuk, Higgins, and McCaffrey keeping it simple with this one, don't getting not getting crazy with any of the other player ancillary pieces of this game. But moving forward to the Patriots traveling to Miami, this is a game that it's got the highest over under on the slate. It's tight. I technically felt like with Kansas City and Denver, huge spreads. But New England put up a fight against Buffalo, and Miami secondary is just beat to shreds. Like, they are not a good secondary at the moment. Javon Holland may or may not play, depending on some of the, I believe he practiced in a limited fashion today. Obviously, there was some weird news with Tyree Kill and how they were saying things of like, two is like, yeah, we'll get him back eventually. It was like, what, what do you mean you get him back? And then he practices the next day. It's like, oh, we got him back. He's good. So how do you treat this game? For me, New England, you have a man coverage team. They played man in their game against Miami. They played a lot, little bit more cover two than they used to. They had a lot of corners kind of getting hurt in that game. They blitzed Tua. They gave him some kind of not cover zero looks, but like exotic looks with their pressure and stuff. For me with Miami, Tua's not getting a lot of love, which makes him intriguing on this slate. Um, yeah. Obviously, pricing is a huge factor as to why. He's a 7,700 quarterback that has to throw for 350 or 400 and probably three or four on the slate of this size with the running quarterbacks that are slightly priced above him. But two of the like Mike McDaniel and this offense still have the ability to do so. They're in Miami, which is a huge factor because again, they've been much better in Miami than they have on these prime time away games. Um, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle would be the only way that he kind of does those crazy numbers to be able to do that. I'm fine with both of them in this spot. Tyreek Hill obviously dominates against any look that New England's going to throw, and there's nothing they can really do to take him away. They limited him in their first game, but it was like just not miscommunication, just like slightly off timing on a few of those that led to Tyreek Hill yeah. not being able to have a great one. Raheem Mostert can obviously do it as well. And then New England, I think, has an advantage on that secondary. Like I said, their beat up Kendrick Bourne has been really good 
this year for what it's worth. He's He's been a guy that I think you were into two weeks ago, and he absolutely smashed. I think it's fine to get to him in this one. Other than that, I don't think I want to go Ramondre. Miami's run defense has been much better uh, as of late, and it doesn't feel like this is a great spot for that attack. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, sorry, I had a baby crying in the background, so I was okay. muted. But I remembered to come off. We, we are winning. Yeah, good. I'm proud of you. Um, yeah, there was a lot of uncertainty associated with this spot uh, earlier on in the week when we had Tyreek Hill on the injury report. We had Jalen Waddell on the injury report. We had Raheem Mostert on the injury report. Oh, they also um, got Connor Williams back. He's coming back. This yeah, week. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Waddle and Tyreek were just removed like 12 minutes ago, removed from the injury report. They will Thank play you. this weekend. Good. Raheem Mostert went DNP limited limited and was listed as questionable i would expect him to play but if you look at what like we keep saying this like bill belichick who is he what does he do he plays a lot of man and he tries to take away an op opposing teams like top option jalen waddle has led the team in receiving in one game this season it was week two against the new england patriots so i mean he still he only put up like 80 something yards on four or five catches uh, so it's not like he set the world on fire, but that is kind of what Bill Belichick usually does to teams is forces them to find a way to win through their secondary options. In week two, that was Raheem Mostert when we viewed him as a secondary option. Uh, he's the truth uh, at this point. Um, so yeah, silly us. Um, but yeah, like that's kind of what Bill Belichick just does. Um, mm. So now that you have very clear like 1a 1b of like order of priority of what this offense is looking to do and it's like Tyree Kill um and uh Raheem Mostert and it's also interesting to see kind of last week we saw like when Waddle left for a little over a quarter's worth of play uh with his back thing going on we saw this offense kind of struggle because they are they and the, the announcers actually got it right when they were talking about this situation because they were saying like, hey, this team is much better when they have both Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill running at you. It's like, yeah, obviously um, one is going to be clearing out some space for the other to fill in, yada, yada. Yes. But like this is interesting if Bill Belichick is going to place like just bracket coverage, Tyreek Hill um, have one guy in press and one guy 15 yards off on his side of the field, um, it becomes a little bit easier for the ball to find other areas. So a little bit interested in Jalen Waddle this week um, in this offense at his price. He has the, he has the upside to, to really kind of wreck this slate, turn it on its head. So uh, I'm kind of monitoring that a little bit. Yeah. I'll say this about that Eagles game. The way the Eagles beat you is with their front four. Like they, they just, that's just what they do. Their front four is nasty. Miami was playing with, their center to left tackle was all backups. Isaiah Wynn was their starting left guard. He had been arguably the best left guard in football up until that point. He came out of the game during that game against Philly. Lester Cotton came in and played, uh, which I call it, played in holding penalty first snap, got blown up by Jalen Carter. That just kind of happens with a lot of people. But after that, their offense wasn't able to get those down the field shots. And then Jalen Waddle came out of the game. Tyree Kill dropped a touchdown. Jalen Waddle came back into the game and then ran the wrong route or the play call is messed up because yeah. Mostert on a wheel with Waddle running a, a corner po or post corner into mm -hmm. him led to the slay interception, which is just it, it was just an off game. They got to find ways to beat these teams on the road. So 
it's an interesting spot for Waddle. Definitely at his price. Definitely looking at how just nobody's getting to him because of who he's around. Like he's coming in sub three percent on some sides. Like yeah, that's an interesting slate breaker. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Wink, wink, wink. maybe. But let's move forward to our uh, favorite values on the entire slate. Unless you got something to say about Miami, nothing else. No, sir. Who's your favorite valley, Hilo? Um, well. We kind of talked about this offline a little bit. Um, my favorite, like pure value uh, on the slate is probably a toss up between one of yours. So I'll say the other one, George Pickens uh, is the other guy. Um, George Pickens, nice. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we, you, you mentioned a lot of the guys in that like 6K to, to 5K range at wide receiver. And I think there's a lot of them on the slate that carry some pretty significant upside. Um, George Pickens being one of them. We know Jacksonville has struggled they've given up the second most pass yards per game uh to opponents yes like matt canada uh that sucks blame canada all that good stuff um but pickens is kind of that guy in this offense that can win by himself and that's kind of what this offense is reliant on it's reliant on its players winning on their own because canada is doing nothing to help them put them in in position to to for any upside so if I'm going anywhere against a pass defense that is struggling like Jacksonville, it's going to be through uh, George Pickens. Um, I'll let you mention the other dude. Yeah, it's Brees Hall. I mean, dude's finally getting uh, an uptick in snaps, finally getting more of the share. Giants run defense has not been very good uh, this year. They're coming off a bye with the Jets, and it feels like they're shopping Dalvin Cook. They're getting rid of Dalvin Cook. He's basically been benched from this team because it's like, wow, Brees Hall is really, really good at football. 5,900 is too cheap. I feel like he's a honestly a 7K running back because I don't see a huge difference between him to the Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne's of the world. And again, at 5,900 on DraftKings, he's just way too cheap and is the best play in that range. I did see, though, I just realized that B. John Robinson 6K, and that's crazy. But yeah. it makes a lot of sense against Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I wish Past they game. would just because he he's just six k. Like Isaiah Pacheco should never be more expensive than Bijan. But I guess yeah, gross. I guess he is now. I don't like that. Doesn't this is the world right. we live in, Jordan. That's because one dude has a headache, and all of a sudden we got a six k <laughs> range because he technically played. So their algorithms messed yeah, up. He basically on, recorded a zero and not yeah. touches and never got hurt it is such a strange situation but yeah let's move forward who is your slate breaker yeah again i had two i'll save the other one for you uh, but i'm right. actually gonna i'm gonna mention travis Etienne as a potential slate breaker because of where he's priced uh he's priced just a hundred bucks less than alvin Kamara, who is going to be one of the most owned uh running backs on the slate but travis Etienne, it will not take um I mean, if we could play this slate out 100 times, Travis Etienne would probably outscore Alvin Kamara in this spot um, half of the time at least, and he's going to carry much less than half of Kamara's ownership. So that's an interesting one. But, but the one true slate break for me is a guy we already talked about. That's George Kittle. Um, and I mentioned him because I think his ownership is going to come in low. I haven't looked yet, so I might be just completely off base there. Um, and the fact that he put up such a clunker last week, but this is such a different spot from a macro matchup perspective. Um, yeah. This could be one of those like 107 for 150 and two type games uh, from Kittle here. 
Yeah, I love George Kittle. That's one of the guys that, again, we we just talked about what he did against the Bengals last time. I know the last time isn't this time. It's a completely different situation. However, the Bengals are pretty much the same defense to the most, actually worse in what would be covering the tight ends. Yeah. And uh, George Kittle is great. And also Brock Purdy just got ruled as questionable. He limited practice today. So maybe he goes out there and changes everything on the slate for the George Sam Darnold take. But regardless, George Kittle would be a great play. Um, he's one of my favorite players in slate. But the slate breaker for me is at the wide receiver position, and that is Nico Collins. Uh, I talked about him earlier. He's just a dominant player against zone coverages. The Panthers just don't really have the bodies to match up with him, especially with J.C. Horn out. Um, I think, again, C.J. Stroud's my favorite player in the slate. I'll be hammering him home all weekend and be sure to check out the main slate article, the top plays, and Hilo's weekly good old-fashioned. How are you handling things? How are you handling some of these situations, some of these spots? Makes for an interesting case usually. And for me, it makes me think about, okay, this is where Hilo's leaning, I think. I think this is the way he's leaning. I'm not sure. I never know which way you're leaning, but it's always fun because sometimes you're like, hey, man, I like Lamar Jackson. I'm just getting rid of him in a player pool because you said good things. I'll never be <laughs> able to forgive you for that one, Hilo. I hope you don't take CJ Stroud out of your player pool. I hope Stop. you don't have to go overweight. You can match him. You can match the field. I'm just going to go 100% now. Fuck it. Oh, I mean, come like... on, dude. Don't do that. That's crazy. You got to play some Sam Darnold. Come on. Oh, it's not. <laughs> no. All right. Ilo, do you have anything else before we close the show? Yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson's on the slate. Why don't I just play him, dude? Oh, you want to play Kenny Pickett. You said that. You said that before the show. <laughs> I did. And I'm, I'm, I not did. Letting I did. You, I'm not letting you play Brian Hoyer or Tyson Baguette this weekend, all right? When you tell <laughs> us in the top plays you want to play a 5K quarterback that's not good at football, I am not yeah. letting friends do that. Those See, friends don't let whoa, friends whoa, what happened was. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I just played Lamar Jackson. It was really fun. Uh, well, no, I played... Oh no, I played uh, Jordan Love. Hashtag I hate the oh, yeah, yeah, hashtag yeah. Matt LaFord. What are you doing? There's nothing we, behind me. Nothing behind what you, me. Over what are you here. doing there, buddy? All right. See you guys later. Hope you like the show. Be sure to tweet at me or Hilo. I'm gonna put his name out there and ask us any questions you have. And good luck on the slate. It is a doozy. It is no bye weeks, full slate, biggest one since week one. So see you guys.